Chewing on that goddamn door stopper. Hmm. The how about door your, stopper. You know what? How about your parents' cats? Like, okay, you, so Ducky will bite on anything made out of styrofoam. He'll go okay. over and bite it. All right. He'll also bite anything like uh, Walmart bags, <laughs> or you know how water cases come from Sam's Club. Yeah, he'll bite that plastic. He, that. he loves that plastic. Okay. Yeah. So when I first moved in here, I was gifted a plant called the sep. Was it mother-in-law's tongue or something like that? Right. Weird. And the cat has slowly bitten what the smaller like little tentacle that comes out of it. And now that one is dead, and it's starting to chew on the other ones. Have you looked to see if that's a toxic plant to get? It, it's not good. It's not. <laughs> There are I a lot that, of them that are. I think uh, old Sophie might be uh, uh, six feet under if she was t- allergic sure. to that. I don't. Are they allergic to succulents? I think so. <clears throat> That's but what I, I don't know. thought. Yeah, I know. Like uh, peperomium, they're not supposed to eat mm. that. They're they're not supposed to eat a lot of plants. But cat grass, they love it. Is that where pepperoni grows? Pepperonium, yeah, definitely. Can right you imagine next to that? A bacon bush. I was just you see it in, plant. in like Italy. They just have like their dry their meats grow on plants. Their there. cured meats yeah. are grown. They have prosciutto plants, <laughs> and fucking Capricola plants. Uh, the Capricola. And I want to know what the hell is a what the hell is a Capricola? Like if you look at prosciutto, right? It's, yeah. It's my understanding is it's just ham cured a different way yeah it's like raw cured ham i wonder if capricola is i bet it's the same thing probably yeah different variants of hams yeah it's all hams why okay prosciutto though is like amazing and ham i think i could take it or leave it i don't like ham but yeah prosciutto is a lot more expensive too so there must be something to that have you had any boar's head meat that is like so much better than regular meat. It's really? unbelievable. Yeah. That is boar's it? head sandwich meat. Where the is fuck so do good. you get boar's head from? Uh so so I Kowalski's? Okay. No, Nolan's, I mean. No, Kowalski's. Nolan's. Kowalski's. Kowalski's. Okay, I have to go see that Polak bastard. Yeah. Um I had is it Apple Gate? Does that sound right? Like Apple the, Gate. the the Christina the, Applegate? <laughs> Yeah, they just cut meat off of her and <laughs> serve it to you. This is Christine Applegate's thigh. <laughs> no, it's like the organic, un uh, whatever hormoned, uh, non cruelty meat. Oh, kind of. So yeah. it's pretty. That shit is fucking like I got the turkey. 
tastes way different than if you were to have like the fucking Hillshire farm turkey oh, or some Oscar shit. Oscar Meyer turkey. That yeah. shit's so wet and <laughs> shitty. I hate it so much. That's like intense cruelty meat. Yeah, that's extra, rubber, rubber Extra meat. cruelty meat. Nothing but oops call cruelty. <laughs> uh, no. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about this week? It's not me. My name is Adam, and sitting across from me, as ever, is Cody. Hello, Cody. Hello, Adam. How are you? Good. How was your week? <sighs> it was a long week. It was a trying week. The uh, sa- the night Satanist uh, really hexed me a lot through the week, but I-, I have survived and made it to the weekend, which is the ultimate goal for everybody. They're not getting us this time. They're not. We're we're recording early since we had to do Between the Bumbles International style mm. with uh, a German correspondent, Saya. Dude, honestly, when's the last time we recorded this early? <sighs> Only when we had to do like a makeup recording, yeah. I think. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Did we used to, like a long time ago, did we used to start at like noon? I seem to remember yeah. it's like Saturdays at noon. Remember we started Friday nights yeah. after work, I'd come over to your place. Yeah. And then we started recording with Jordan, and I feel like that was like at noon or something like that. And then that eventually evolved into five o'clock, and then that this evolved into six o'clock. So who knows? In the few it months, doesn't it matter. Might be, yeah, yeah. It, it just doesn't matter. Maybe it'll be different flavors of comedy based on what time <laughs> of the day it is. Kind of like horoscopes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Based on when you're born, it will modify the show. Yeah. You know, the time it's of the day. It's the year of the cat. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. That's an old common man bit. And I, also a real song. I feel like the year of the cicada is what we should be singing here now. <laughs> they like go up and down like that. Yeah. Someone told me once that that was them dying, but I don't think that is. Ah, that's them trying to find a lady. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I was just say, that's that's a you... horny sound. All that's you, not a death sound. all you single dudes out there, get get out to the bar and just start going. Ee! You know, somebody will get you. Get mm-hmm. somebody's attention. Not a, ch- I mean, they don't stand a chance. They really don't stand a <laughs> chance if you're out there doing the cicada dance and sing. Uh, Cody, can you tell me some more about Dorothea Puente? I can. We'll uh, the we'll speak about the uh, human cicada herself. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Every seventeen years, she comes out. Picking up where we left off last week, Dorothea had just officially retired from her job as a nurse's aide, but in reality, she had just stolen enough money from her clients to purchase her own place Mm. and figured she could make even more money if she was to set up her own boarding house. Mm. With having her own boarding house, it put her in full control of the residents that resided within and thus would make it easier for her to steal their pun- their pension or government checks. The ultimate goal here, get that money Naturally. in her pocket. Oh, it's such a good idea. <laughs> Set up a home for the dead and dying and broke and just steal it all. <laughs> just get, I hope nobody actually uh, decides to do this for themselves, but... Dorothy is quite successful at it here. uh, Speaking of Better Call Saul, which you referenced, this Mm. reminds me of the Sandpiper (laughs) storyline quite a bit. With her accumulated wealth, Dorothea would eventually rent a large house on the corner of 21st and F Street in Sacramento, 
Now, there were certainly a few hurdles that Dorothea would need to get over if her dream of opening a boarding house was to come to fruition. The most glaring issue was that generally, you are required by the state to have an operating license to run a boarding house. As you should be. Yeah. But because of her prior convictions, she would have, have been turned down almost immediately if she dared apply. Yeah, you don't want a, a convict that's in charge <laughs> of people's finances and stuff. <laughs> you don't want it. No. But for better or worse, social workers and other members of the local government would willingly turn a blind eye to someone opening up a boarding house simply because the homeless and addict population in California at this time was astronomically high, and there just simply were not enough people to help them all. Yeah. So as long as the boarding house and the residents seemed happy, the social workers would let it slide. That makes sense. I mean, today, even still, we, yeah. are, we are certainly in that rut out in California, especially Sacramento, uh, San Francisco, Oakland. It's I, nothing but homeless. I can guarantee you there is a lot of illegally ran boarding houses that probably are good establishments that just maybe can't get a license. I Not don't know. Official. Yeah. I don't know how this has changed. This is, you know, the 60s, so it's it's quite a bit different here. Yeah, and those homeless people might as well have not even existed right. as far as the government was concerned, mm. as far as keeping track of them was concerned. Yeah, it seems like they just give them money and then just sort of like, okay, go on your way. Yep. I don't know, but we'll learn about it here. The second problem was that the house needed a little TLC to get it ready for people to Don't live in. Don't go making waterfalls. Yeah, she was very adamant about having a waterfall coming out of the side of her house. <laughs> a scrub is a guy that thinks he's fly. That's what, all the what TLC. What if they literally named their band after her? That'd be amazing. <laughs> but also... Dorothea had blown through a lot of her money just to get the house and presumably supplies needed for the repairs, so Dorothea needed to find those willing to provide her with cheap labor. How about the homeless? <laughs> Dorothea believed that she could find the cheap labor she desired by attempting to hire men in the local homeless communities. Yeah. She would come to realize that the second she would pay those individuals, they would usually disappear from the home. Hell yeah. Straight to the heroin or alcohol or whatever they've been looking for. Now, this was a double-edged sword because almost all of them wouldn't work an entire day unless they were being prepaid or something to that matter. Sure. Uh, so Dorothea learned that hiring the local homeless population wasn't going to work out. You got to find drifters. You got to find grifters. You got to find guys like uh, Lenny and Curly from Mice and Men. Guys What's the difference would... between a drifter and a grifter? Well, grifters are usually thief okay. type people. Okay. If you're setting up a grift, that's like a, a scam. Okay. A grift is a scam. So technically, she's about to become a grifter. She's a certainly a grifter, yeah. <laughs> Anybody that sets up a three-card Monty table is a yeah. grifter. Okay, yeah. interesting. Well, uh, let me inform you who she does find here, Adam. Dorothea decided to utilize that fake Mexican heritage that she had, had created for herself. She went to Home Depot <laughs> and parked outside with her pickup. In 1966, Sacramento had a very large Mexican community, and Dorothea was able to weasel her way into these communities by regaling her tales about growing up in Mexico. Wouldn't they call bullshit straight away, though, no, because she doesn't actually know anything about Mexico? 
I guess they didn't. I don't. Maybe she learned just enough to like get by, well, or you she said could she use learn fluent Spanish. Right? Yeah, yeah. She always talks with a little hint of an accent. Also, she could probably say, "Oh, I was so young when I left. I cannot remember Perfect. the old country. Yeah. The <laughs> old country. I love yeah. it." Dorothea found that after she announced she was opening a home to take care of the elderly and infirmed. Much of the Hispanic community was willing to help her out. Additionally, because there were so many illegal immigrants at the time, they were more more than happy to work for less as long as she they were going to be paid in cash. Absolutely. So she. I don't have no bank account to run this through, bitch. No. So she got a bevy. I mean, honestly, at this time, 1966. You might have gotten your paycheck in cash anyway, right? Mm. Or do you think it was strictly on the up and up if you uh, were working Certainly legally? Certainly for immigrant labor. Yeah. You're getting paid cash. But uh, I would say I would say the old uh, federal government had their hands in. You had, to, him... you had to declare your income and all that <laughs> such. One of the workers that would find himself coming to work for Dorothea really seemed to get her a little hot and bothered. Ooh, sliding around the place. This young stallion was 20-year-old Roberto Puente. Roberto Puente. Roberto started to notice that Dorothea seemed to be gawking at him quite a bit. Now, Roberto Puente, being an illegal immigrant, started to see an opportunity through Dorothea as his ticket to becoming a full-blown U.S. citizen. He's got to marry one. So Roberto started to use his charm to swoon Dorothea into believing that he was really into her. You'd assume Dorothea might question why a 20-year-old would be so interested in banging a now white-haired 37-year-old Dorothea. Wow, she really did age quickly, didn't she? Yeah, she's got white hair. At the age of 37. Wow, that is scary. Well, she looks like Sophia from the Golden <laughs> Girls on in the Instagram Yeah, picture. you saw that picture? Yeah. <laughs> Holy hell. But in true narcissist fashion, Dorothea truly believed that his interest in her was simply due to her swagger. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She's like, I I'm the got, cat's meow. I, my pussy brings these... The Boys young, to the yard. Yeah, holy fuck. Well, you meant, you remember how sexual she was. Oh, yeah. So she hey, thinks some, she's got hey, it. If you're laying down hints like that, mm. I mean, guys are pretty easy to, uh, like, okay, yeah, she likes me. <laughs> she thinks I'm cool. <laughs> I just keep thinking of it, about it, dude, going to a strip club. The like, God, I think she really likes me, guys. And guess what? It happens all the time. <laughs> it happened to me outside of a strip club. I got bamboozled. True, you did. Now, the relationship wasn't purely just a physical one. Eventually, after banging the boss for a while, Roberto found himself being promoted to full-time handyman. Yeah, I bet. Roberto would fix any problems the house had and, and Dorothy. And Dorothea would make sure that Roberto's pipes were drained on a regular Hell basis. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> the boarding house would officially open in 1966, and almost immediately the 24 rooms within the home were filled with occupants. And I bet there was a 90-person waiting list. <laughs> Holy shit. That, that's a pretty big house. 24 f- that's rooms? That's huge. That's huge. Holy fuck. Uh, see, here's the other thing. It doesn't really... Go into detail, but like the construction things, I don't know if she was sectioning up the house 
more than it already had been, you know, to make those rooms. Yeah. I'm not sure. But it had to be a big house in some way, shape, or form. Seriously, unless they all live in, like, six-by-six six boxes. It says they get their own room. That's insane. I, I yeah. don't know. Most of those who would come to occupy the home were mostly elderly, homeless, alcoholics. Alcoholics are, like, her biggest one, and other outcasts of society. She would provide them with clean clothes, their own room, home-cooked meals, and a social setting where they could engage with the other residents. Now, the local social workers obviously were aware that Dorothea was running this house illegally, but whenever the social workers came to the house to check on their clients, the residents would do nothing but praise Dorothea for how she treated them all, and in the end, Dorothea's illegally ran boarding house did treat them better than most of the illegally ran ones. Definitely. Hey, when you're doing something on the down low, mm. you're definitely going to want to follow the rules more so than if you actually have a license. Right. Especially if social workers are checking in. But imagine that fucking revolt if they showed up, the social workers showed up one day and said, we're shutting this place down. Now you have 24 fucking angry people that loved being in that boarding house. Like, Here, that could turn violent. Here's the other thing. Like, I, I, do, I don't... I know what a social worker was, but I didn't know that much about them but it seems like literally every single one of these either alcoholics or homeless people like has a personal social worker sure or a caseworker, so yeah. like something like that who's supposed to be watching them even though they're hard to track and they like probably have 900 yeah. people that they have to keep yeah. track of it's we, like game wardens in like upper minnesota where there's two of them for a 12 million <laughs> square foot county we need more human game wardens out in california yeah. <laughs> human I, wardens human wards yeah. i love that that's a good description there that's basically what they are now in the beginning dorothea was very calculated about stealing from the residents of the house while most of them would have certainly changed their address and had began sending their checks to the boarding house, presumably to keep her image as clean as possible mm. and to avoid getting into any sort of trouble, she didn't steal hardly any of the money from their social security checks at first. Sure. Dorothea and Roberto's love continued to blossom deep into 1968. Summer of love. They would travel to Mexico City to tie the knot and make it official. Dorothea, naturally, had an extremely extravagant, over-the-top marriage like she always seemed sure, to need. Sure. While in Mexico, she was telling everyone that she was a Mexican exile and that she finally felt like she was at home. Can you imagine this lady telling all these people, like, man, I finally feel like I found my real home here in Mexico. And this is like, she's so ridiculous. Remember <laughs> when she was talking about how she was rescued from the Bataan Death yeah. March and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Holy fuck. <laughs> and nobody believed her, and I'm sure n none of these people believe her at I, all. Well, you got to remember, we don't, I'm not going to really bring it up, but she, I guarantee she was telling that story to the residents of the home. Oh, yeah. You know, like, every oh, single yeah. one, like, oh, man, I was in the Bataan Death March, and And I was rescued hell. by my husband. Yeah, uh, God. Now, the newlyweds would enjoy a lovely marriage ceremony and a lust-filled honeymoon, but would have to return to the boarding house soon enough. It was almost immediately after they returned from Mexico that the dynamic between Roberto and Dorothea's relationship started to dissolve rather quickly. That didn't take long. 
Shortly after returning, Roberto moved out of their marital bedroom and into a guest bedroom. He was just a boarder now. <laughs> His excuse was that Dorothea snored too much. <laughs> But in reality, Roberto had just gotten the U.S. citizenship he wanted. Ah. Yeah, so. Off to the side with you, you old hag. How weird is it? You just get married, you come home, and your spouse just immediately moves into another bedroom. Yep. Something seems a little weird about that. That's brutal. (laughs) Especially after he gave her the dickin' of her life Mm. during their honeymoon and post-marriage, you know? Down in Mexico. It sounds like she might have given given him the dickin'. The dickin' of her life? She was the fucking... Life. She was the fucker in the relationship. She's the top. Yeah, she's the power top there. Yeah. It would eventually be discovered that Roberto actually had been courting several women Always. the entire time he was with Dorothea. You gotta watch out for those Latin lovers, you understand me? He's definitely gotta wander. Like, his... The big thing was... He had all of these women, including Dorothea, and he was telling every single one of them <laughs> that he, he was the, the only man. Yeah, oh, yeah, that too. That he was there. He was the he only was man for only. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The crazy part was that even after she discovered that Roberto was cheating on her, she wasn't all that bothered. Mostly because as much as Roberto had used her, Dorothea used him as a proxy to get her deeper into the Latin community. And to help her keep that status quo going. A perfect beard. Mm. A perfect beard for her for her for her for her for her prowling opportunity to get in on those Latins, those alcoholic Latins. <laughs> well, hold on, it gets even deeper than that. As time progressed, Dorothea had slowly been increasing the amount of money she was stealing from her residence, social security checks, or pension checks, which meant she was once again finding herself becoming quite wealthy. One would expect that Dorothea would have just been blowing all her newly found wealth on expensive items like she had done in the past, but this time around, she desired something even more prestigious. Dorothea wanted to get connected to the upper crust in Sacramento. Nice. She wants She wants in that bougie circle. She would accomplish this. By donating large amounts of her money to various charities on behalf of the local Hispanic community, which became her ticket in into attending those luxurious $50 a plate dinners mm-hmm. and establishing the name Dorothea Puente as the true spokesman and champion for the local Hispanic community. Wonderful. This is like that uh, la- that white lady, that, that yeah. tan white lady that yeah. was the NAACP chairman. Oh, oh, if you watch that documentary about her, oh. it is so cringy. Yeah, I don't think I'd be it able hurts. to. It hurts. It hurts. My hackles are standing up just thinking about it. Oh, man. Yeah, but literally Dorothea She's is, that one, yeah. that is that woman. My God. Now, doing all of this put her in direct contact with many powerful politicians and celebrities. Dope. Dorothea Puente would eat dinner with Pat Brown, Ugh. Ronald Reagan, and his wife Jane. Whoa. And even Clint Eastwood. No, he didn't. Yes, no, she did yes, not. Yes, the fuck she did. What? That's so awesome. Because he was huge in the Republican Party. Yeah. And she was as well, and it kind of... Obviously, Ronald Reagan was, uh, and they kind of all mingled. They had Whoa. dinners together. They talk. These people talk to 
the serial killer Dorothea Puente. Let's keep that in mind here. It uh, makes sense that Clint and Ronnie were friends since yeah. they were both in westerns, you know? So uh-huh. that kind of makes a lot of sense. But Pat Brown, that's too bad. That's really a problem. That guy's a fucking dick shit. Okay, what do you know? I don't know that much about Pat Brown. What can you tell me about Pat Brown? He's the uh, uh, 700 Club guy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's no. the religious right, yeah. Oh, no. He's the, if you don't, he certainly tried to make the movement for, if you don't believe in America 100%, you're a bad Christian and you're going to hell. Oh, that was, that's okay. his thing, yeah. God damn, 19, let's say 1968, 70, yeah, 71, so, 72. How the fuck old is Pat Brown? Because he looks oldish. He's looked old as shit for like 30 years now. He certainly has. He Holy certainly hell. Has. Now, this was one of the proudest moments in Dorothea's life. She always wanted to be admired and adored, and she was finally accomplishing it. For proof this was a big deal to her, if one was to venture into her personal bedroom at the boarding house, you would lay your eyes upon all of the photos of either Dorothea or Roberto shaking hands with a ton of politicians, (laughs) celebrities, or other people of huge influence. (laughs) Like, you see, you know these people. I've seen these pictures. Like, people have pictures of them shaking hands like Bill Clinton or some shit. Yeah, star fuckers. This is literally her and Roberto. Absolutely. Zombies. While this all sounds well and good, the glaring problem was that living this lifestyle requires more and more money which for Dorothea meant stealing more and more money. Well, certainly, and eventually they're going to have to wonder where this money's coming from. (laughs) She's not declaring any of it as running like a a non-profit boarding house. She might be the luckiest person for avoiding that, but we'll get there. This in turn, her, her stealing more and more money started to cause rumors to swirl around that Dorothea might be embezzling some of the money from her residence. <laughs> but if either a police officer or social worker were to come around and start asking questions, Dorothea could use the excuse that, you know, X residents' memory was bad or Y residents was such an alcoholic. They, pro- they probably just didn't remember them blowing all their money on alcohol. And this excuse would work at least for a little bit longer. Now, even though Dorothea and Roberto sounded like they had a pretty amicable arrangement going on, um, which would bring them into contact with the upper crust in society, Roberto's disdain for Dorothea could only be held back for so long. The couple started to argue about literally everything, which led to Roberto eventually just never returning to the boarding house ever again. I get it. Uh, Dorothea found herself accepting the reality that Roberto had left for good, so she just packed up all the shit in his room, sold everything she possibly could, and just simply moved another resident into Roberto's old Next man up. Yeah. I know. Well, hey, he's a young scumbag yeah that was absolutely for whatever she's an old scumbag that yeah they both used each other and they mm. both got what mm. you know what was coming to them i guess <laughs> yeah roberto is finally like i need some non-white haired women in my life here sick of pulling all this steel wool <laughs> after roberto left dorothea decided to get herself dialed up and head out to the bars in sacramento now dorothea didn't actually do this in an attempt to get laid or to find another lover. I bet I know why. She actually did this to sweet talk the elderly alcoholics. Perfect. Her goal was to coax them 
into telling her what type of benefits they were receiving. If they had the type of benefits that uh, Dorothea desired, she ended up offering them a room at her boarding house. Wonderful. Wonderful. This is a woman who knows what she wants. She's out there fishing for new clients. She's on the clock when she's off the clock. (laughs) Her philosophy was to keep a constant revolving door of residence. Brilliant. Once they started to have their checks mailed into our boarding house, those that money was basically hers. Mm-hmm. And if the local drunk or drug addict went out on another bender and left, she would she would be able to keep taking their money while at the same time just moving someone new in that she could then begin stealing their money. That's so brilliant. It's I don't even what you call this. This is like a weird uh, not Ponzi scheme, but something this like that. This is like, it's not usury. It's yeah. not extortion. It's <laughs> it's grand theft, I it's, think. Honestly. <laughs> it's larceny. Well, I mean, when they catch her, they call it fraud. Yeah. I mean, it is fraud. Straight up some the book kind. fraud, yeah. yeah. Along with her barroom recruitment, Dorothea decided that stealing money through Social Security checks just simply wasn't enough. Fuck. She decided to go back to her old playbook of physically robbing people. Goddamn. But this time, instead of applying them into heavy drinking, Dorothea would just lace their drinks with some sort of medication and knock them out. She was going to start roofing. Yeah. I, she's, a, she's a roofing broad. I don't know what she's using, but well, Back something. in the day, it was called slipping a Mickey. Mm, she's but, Mickeying them. Yeah, Mickeying them all over the place. Okay. Well, one of these unlucky men was 74-year-old Malcolm McKenzie. Dorothea and Malcolm had met several times at the Zebra Club, but eventually Dorothea let it be known that she wanted to go back home with Malcolm. Mm. But before they left, Dorothea insisted that they have one more drink. Yeah. It was on the cab ride back to Malcolm's place that he started to feel a bit woozy, and Dorothea would have to basically carry him back to his apartment. Mm. That tiny little lady had to carry this old man. Dude, when it starts getting to the bodies, she's I, she has some sort of strength Leverage. we don't understand. They're like ants. Those little people, they're like <laughs> ants. Just the, She can handle corpses. We'll, we'll let you know that. Uh, Dorothea would eventually lay him on his couch, and Malcolm could only watch in horror as he found his body was paralyzed, Fuck. unable to do anything. He had to just sit and watch her steal all the items from his home, which included his rare penny collection, his checkbook, and all of the money that he had stashed around his house. But worst of all was when Dorothea hovered over him in a paralyzed state and decided she needed to steal those diamond rings off of his fingers. Wow. Literally robbing his paralyzed, scared body. Yeah. Because his fingers were a bit swollen, she couldn't get them off. No. So Dorothea went to the kitchen, retrieved some lard. Okay, okay. Greased up his fingers, and this was enough lubrication to get those rings off. Oh, you thought she was going to just cut his fingers off. That's what I thought, yeah. You got to... She's not that violent. She's a poisoner. She's She's so mean, She's very mean. She's so fucking mean. (laughs) She's exceedingly mean. After successfully stealing all of his goods, she just left him on the couch in the paralyzed state. When, While the police would certainly be notified, most of the men that she robbed in this manner either couldn't remember a clear description of the woman who had robbed them 
or just plainly felt too embarrassed to report it. Which that's you the kinda, Lonely Hearts Killer too. That's the same thing. You know what? You you kind of get it. You yep. got fleeced by a woman here. I guess I don't know by a by a forty year old lady that looks like an eighty yeah. year old lady. <laughs> Honestly, if I got robbed by an old lady, I might be cool with it, to be, <laughs> yes. to be real with she you. She probably needs it. It's fine. <laughs> the other problem was that Dorothea just fenced these items by either selling them to her residents <laughs> or other locals in the community, you know, some of the illegal immigrants or homeless people, things like that. It made those items exceedingly hard to track down Certainly. once they were gone. His rare pending collection, I don't know who has it. Oh, that's parted out and gone for. But uh, I bet that's worth a lot right now. Oh, yeah. If you were to uh, say, hey, Dorothea Fuente stole this, uh, worth a lot of money there. That Dorothea Fuente cookbook looks mm. pretty silly. <laughs> You should try and get a copy of that and make some food for it. I should. I think you can buy a copy of it on Amazon. I should do it. While we are not certain the exact number of men she did this to, what we do know is that she continued this pattern in some fashion for at least the next nine years after Roberto left. Damn. She only stopped in 1976 because another suitor came into her life. Her next lover was a local drunk by the name of Pedro Montalvo. Oh, I think he played for the Twins. He did. He was a good, good hitter. Yeah. The ironic thing was that Dorothea was planning on just straight up robbing Pedro like she had done with several other men, but found herself becoming enthralled by him. Wow. So it, it was going to start with usury yeah. and robbery and <laughs> ended with love. <laughs> Their relationship evolved rapidly. After the first night of meeting, banging, and staying up all night talking, Pedro almost immediately moved into the boarding house. Shortly after that, the two would be, quote, married, although Dorothea never actually filed any paperwork because she hadn't officially divorced Roberto and she didn't want any polygamy charges. Yep. Now, while the honeymoon period for Dorothea and Pedro was hot and heavy, Pedro's true identity followed suit. Oh, boy. Was she using him for a fucking green card, too? <laughs> no, no. Uh, worse than I that. I mean, was he using her for a green card, too? No worse no, than that. No, he was just an asshole. Pedro was your prototypical abusive alcoholic husband who would lash out and beat Dorothea for even the slightest of things. No. Dorothea had been beaten by other husbands and her parents, but Pedro's drunken rage brought on a whole new level of beatings. But thankfully, Dorothea could avoid him often and instead just spent most of her time with the residents of the boarding house who somewhat would protect her. After only two months into their marriage, Pedro would leave the boarding house on a bender and never return. So never? Never return. Like this, she he never comes back in the picture whatsoever. Never comes back again. Wow. Probably saved his life, to be honest with you. But Certainly. He, he was a piece of shit. Let's be real here. Drunken rage. That'll yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. With Pedro out of the picture, Dorothea just went right back to her barroom hustling. But this time, she changed up her methods when it came to robbing the local drunks. Instead of bothering with the whole drugging them, going to their house, and then robbing them... She instead focused her energy on coaxing them into revealing just enough information about what type of pension or social security benefits they were receiving. Then she could submit a fake 
change of address form wow. so that all of their checks would just be sent directly to her boarding house. Wow, that is so smart. <laughs> now, that's enterprising. She doesn't even have to dr- waste money on drugs. She just gets no. their shit right to her house. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Obviously, I mean, one of them has to report this at some point, right? We'll, we'll get there. Hold on. Well, this seems like a surefire way to get busted. That's what I was thinking. Dorothea had a grand grand plan in mind for hiding the money in case people started asking too many questions. You see, since Dorothea's charitable donations had put her into contact with so many truly wealthy people, she had learned an important lesson. A perfect way to not only hide your money, but also let it make money for you was using investments. Put it in the stock market, baby. Uh, Not quite that level of investment, but uh, another way. Okay. Dorothea soon stumbled upon the perfect investment opportunity, which came to her in the form of an up-and-coming catering company ran by a woman named Ruth Munro. Oh, so she is going to stake businesses then. Yeah. She's going to put money on the street. Well, at least try that at first. <laughs> That's some mafia-style shit. Uh, Ruth's business was initially being funded by her husband, but he had fallen gravely ill. So Dorothea's interest in investing in her catering business seemed to be her saving grace. Now, the two of them would take over the restaurant side of Round Corner Tavern. The plan was to sell affordable meals to the lower-income citizens of Sacramento while turning a small profit for themselves. Shockingly, Dorothea actually started this little venture off by physically working in the kitchen herself, but soon found that she didn't like the whole working aspect of the catering business. Yeah. Yes, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> so instead, she just returned to her boarding house and remained a silent partner, of which Ruth didn't really mind. Just stay out of the way. Just give me the money, yep. and I'll make you money. Basically. That's money on the street, my friend. That's a good investment there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the records around this time, probably not that great. Certainly So not. you could bury that shit in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1982, about a year into the partnership between Ruth and Dorothea, Dorothea was informed by her contacts within the police station that her redirected government check fraud scheme had been found out and the local officials were currently gathering evidence against her. It's about fucking time. (laughs) Now, almost simultaneously to that, her business partner, Ruth's husband, would lose his battle with cancer, leaving Ruth with almost nowhere to go. So without hesitation, Dorothea offered Ruth her very own room at her boarding house. Aww, that's Ru- very nice. Ruth was taken back by Dorothea's generosity and decided might as well take her up on that offer. Yeah. Now, almost from the onset, Dorothea paid an abnormally high amount of attention to Ruth, always making sure she was comfortable and had something to drink or eat. Hmm. Now, shortly after moving in, Ruth started to notice that she was feeling more and more sluggish, Mm. especially when she woke up in the morning. (laughs) Ruth had never in her life ever felt so tired and run down, and Dorothea was always waiting there to take care of poor Ruth. Dorothea's number one cure for Ruth was keeping a constant flow of cocktails in Ruth's hand. Perfect. Now, the weirdest part about all of that was Ruth had been a lifelong abstainer from alcohol 
But after she arrived at the boarding house, all of a sudden, she just loved to pile in those cocktails. She realized, as most Mm. alcoholics do, that it is a, that it is certainly a way to numb the pain. Yeah. It doesn't make it go away. It just makes it worse in the end. But yeah. Yeah. She lost her husband to cancer, Mm. living in a boarding house. Mm. Her business failed. It just, it it all (laughs) makes sense. Now, when Ruth's son, William, came to visit, uh, he was shocked to see his mother enjoying a creme de... I don't even know what this is. Creme de menthe? I've heard of it. I've heard seen creme it Creme de before. menthe. Yeah. It sounds like a... Does it sound like an 80s woman classy drink or something? I don't know what the hell it Minth. is. Minth. Okay. Well, anyway, her and uh, Dorothy were drinking them in the middle of the day. Now, even though Ruth's appearance was, was starting to look a little pale and sickly... William couldn't deny that his mother did look happy. Yeah, she was buzzed off her fucking ass. And other stuff, as we're about to find out. But William, deep in his gut, did not have a good feeling about this Dorothea Puente. By the end of April of 1982, Ruth Monroe was found dead in her bedroom. Naturally, this brought the police swarming to the boarding house, and Dorothea was clearly the prime suspect, but... After the autopsy of Ruth Monroe and a rather convincing explanation for Ruth's death provided by Dorothea, a homicide didn't seem like the most probable explanation. Ruth was terribly upset about the death of her husband. She started drinking heavily and started to pop over-the-counter medications alongside it. At the time of her death, Ruth had a huge amount of her own prescribed medications over-the-counter medications, and alcohol in her system. They ruled it a suicide or at least an accidental suicide. Brilliant. So, so yeah, Dorothea is a great poisoner. Yeah. A great yeah. poisoner. Yeah. I. This is an interesting one here because this isn't nearly as cut and dry of a possible murder as the, the other ones uh, that we'll get into. Uh, I'm not really sure what her motive was with Ruth at all, but... Uh, then yeah, what was the motive? We'll we'll kind of I'll talk about it in a second here. You have to kind of view this through two different lenses. The murder itself, if it is a murder. The first inclination would be that Dorothea purposely murdered Ruth Monroe in hopes of gobbling up all of her funds that were attached to a joint bank account that the two women had together. Could be possible mm. because that would leave her as what the sole beneficiary of a yep. joint bank account. Yep. That maybe is like a business account or Certainly something like that. Certainly wouldn't have to answer any questions about yeah. it because it's her, she's the only one left. Right. So maybe that is an explanation. The interesting thing is that Ruth's son William actually was aware of this account and was watching it to see if Dorothea removed even a fucking dime from it. But Dorothy would never get the chance. And mm. we'll get into why she will never get the chance here mm. in a minute. Uh, option two is that Dorothea was really poisoning Ruth, but not enough to actually kill her. Ruth accidentally took additional medication without realizing the fact that she was actually being poisoned as well, thus leading to her death. Okay. So either one of those. I would still consider that a murder because you're yeah, poisoning. Accidental, yeah, accidental, whatever. She was probably trying to kill her in the end, but maybe it just came a little faster than she expected. Weird. 
Either way. But, like, I was thinking life insurance, maybe. She had a policy, but it doesn't sound like she did. No, no. I think I think it was merely to get her hands on the bank account. Weird. But she won't get a chance. And we'll talk about why she won't get a can- chance, because she's not out of trouble with the law yet, because the police have all the evidence they need to finally make a move on Do- Dorothea for fraud. The check fraud. Right. Yeah. Now, one of her sources within the force must have informed Dorothea they were coming to arrest her because they would literally apprehend her as she was jumping into a taxi cab headed for the airport awesome. because she had already purchased <laughs> a plane ticket headed for Mexico. So <laughs> she knew something. Oh, yeah. She knew something. Well, when you're in the upper crust, right, you're going to get little tip-offs from your pals in the police true, department. True, So it's a very weird sequence of events. She knows the cops are looking at her. She might be poisoning Ruth Monroe. She wants, maybe that was the thing. Her plan was maybe um, kill Ruth Monroe, seize that money after she's already in Mexico, giving her enough money to live off of maybe. Something like that. Hey. Could be. I don't know. It's a good theory. I don't know. It's very weird. Uh, Dorothea was being arrested for over 30 fraud cases against her. And for the robberies of three gentlemen, particularly Malcolm McKenzie. Now, oh, good. He was able to figure out yeah, it was good. He was, he was like literally one of the only men who actually witnessed her robbing him. Yeah. All the other ones were knocked unconscious for the most Fuck. part. Yeah, he was wide awake, just paralyzed. <sighs> yeah. I wonder what she gave him that did that to him. I don't know. That sounds know so I... scary. <laughs> yes, it does. Have you heard of that powder in like Columbia yeah. where they like blow it in your face and then you just do whatever they tell you to. Oh, that's, that's so terrifying. Scary. That is so scary. It's like they blow it in your face and walk you to an ATM and you're just like, okay. And you just give them all your money. <sighs> oh God. That's terrifying. Holy hell. Now to Dorothea's benefit, not all of the fraud cases had been fully investigated yet, but they were trying to just pull them all together as one big charge, I guess. But this backfired because they were incomplete. The judge decided to throw them all out. But the robberies were a different story. She could not luck her way out of those. (laughs) Dorothea would receive a five-year sentence in prison. Wow. And one of the biggest terms of her parole was that she would never be allowed to run any sort of a boarding house again. That's like the one stipulation of the parole. You cannot have a a fucking boarding house. Do you think she's going to listen to that, Adam? I think she's going to get out of prison and open a boarding house the same day. Yeah. Uh, In Dorothea's mind, the biggest punishment was not the prison time she was facing. It was the fact that all of her fame... Her respect and her ability to meander with celebrities was all taken away in a split second. Sure. That shit hurt her to the core. Yeah. She's an egomaniac. Mm. This stint in prison was interesting, uh, was an interesting one for Dorothea. This time around, she assumed the role of the elderly mother type to the other girls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she looks the part, I She's guess. She's like the, the Russian one on Orange is the New Black. <laughs> what's her red red Red, that's her name yeah (laughs) she was there for them to listen to their problems and dorothea was happy to educate the young girls about how to be better criminals apparently dorothea was well liked in prison and was able to freely communicate through racial lines or gang affiliations wow so she could just go she could walk run the whole prison pretty much 
She could just ju- like Red. I guess, yeah. I mean, she wasn't in the gangs, but she could exactly, talk to them. Yeah, she could yeah. free associate with anybody. They seem to just view her as a sweet old lady. At least until the rumor got around that she had been talking with the prison guards. Oh, you don't want to <laughs> be a little stooly pigeon. You do not want to be a rat. I don't know. The author leans that she wasn't a rat. She just didn't know when to not talk. <sighs> yeah. Very thin line there, <laughs> yeah. my friend. <laughs> Almost non-existent line. Well, Dorothea had apparently named a prisoner who had violently... Oh, that's ass- a rat. ...who had violently assaulted another prison t- prisoner to the guards. Well, some of the gang members uh, weren't too fond nope. of this. So one day, Dorothea was taking a shower... Oh, no. ...when she was cornered by a group of other prisoners, who then proceeded to beat Dorothea to within an inch of her life. Yeah, the sisters got her. <sighs> After Dorothea... Remember the sisters from Shawshank Redemption? They were the guys oh, that raped them. Yeah. Oh, my God. I haven't seen that shit in so long. Uh, or American History X. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a little harder for girls to rape each other, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You can just grab whatever. Yeah. And shove it in there. They just beat the shit out. Like, yeah. beat the piss out of her. Like, beat her, beat her bad. That's scary. Yeah. Because they could have stabbed her, too. Like, ooh. I think they... I think... They broke her a lot of her ribs. That was the main thing. That shit hurts. Yes. Oof. Now, after Dorothy was healthy enough to be discharged from the prison hospital, uh, they would place her in solitary confinement for her own safety. Mm -hmm. Ironically, because they started to have to lock up the gang leaders in solitary as well, (laughs) it left the gangs without leadership this, in turn, caused chaos to erupt within the prison walls Hell because yeah. they had nobody Those are telling the real them what guards. to do. Yeah. yeah, the real guards are the gang leaders. So, Dorothea Puente accidentally caused... <laughs> fucking chaos. Yeah, within the prison. <laughs> wow, holy shit. This little sweet old lady caused all this trouble. Anyway, <clears throat> after that little situation finally calmed down, Dorothea decided, I'll just keep to myself, mm-hmm. and instead started to communicate with others through the Pen Pal program. Nice. Now, this was actually an amazing system for someone like Dorothea, simply because she could at least proofread her lies before they got mailed out. Very important. You don't, you, you're not so much on the spot, right? Yeah, exactly. You get to edit. <laughs> Eventually, Dorothea found a gentleman pen pal that she would grow fond of named Everson Gilmouth. <laughs> I know it was Gilmouth and Gilmouth. Probably Gilmouth, but Gilmouth. I like Gilmouth. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing about Everson was that he was a 70-something-year-old retired man living in Oregon. I am not certain if he was a widower, but he most certainly was a very lonely old man who had no idea how dating worked anymore. <laughs> and added to the fact that he was now in his 70s, he figured the best place to try to find a nice young, la- nice lady, I guess, was in prison. <laughs> that seems like the opposite place he where didn't you know, would find a nice lady. Well, he can't go to the club <laughs> no. and talk to a girl. They don't have Tinder, obviously, yeah. in 1970. What about dive bars? Those have to exist. Maybe he... You know what? He could be really religious and view them as harlots, maybe, or something. Mm. I don't know. Plus, 70-year-old man, I don't know. Even that, I don't know. You can be sure that she's probably definitely not cheating on you if she's in a woman's prison. Very true. They, I don't know, poor Everson, it doesn't sound like he has a wife and all his kids have moved out and they Uh, don't talk to him really anymore. Well, he's got to be a widower then. 
Yeah, so he found the perfect lady yeah. in Dorothea Puente. Up. Yeah. Their letters started off as friendship letters, but once Dorothea was out of solitary and her mail was no longer being monitored, Everson and Dorothea's correspondence became a little more hot and steamy. Mm. This eventually morphed into talk about Everson moving to Sacramento, marrying Dorothea, and moving in together. It's not that strange nowadays no. with the internet, but it is strange for uh, a prison. I feel like at least on the internet, there's a, a, a picture and you can talk, you can hear their voice. You can FaceTime. Yeah. I Maybe she could send him a prison photo. <laughs> I don't prison, know. Prison I don't panties. Know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Just writing letters. I don't, you have to be a lot braver, I guess. That's brave. Uh, after serving three years, Dorothea would be released on parole when Dorothea passed through the front gates of the prison, sitting there looking hot with Everson Gilmoth and his shiny, bright red 1980 Ford pickup. Yeah, because it was hot as hell out that day, and he's 75 years old. <laughs> Dorothea immediately planted a sucking like kiss on Everson's probably thin and wrinkly lips. Certainly. Hello, Crypt Keeper. I love you. Can you imagine these two old fuckers kissing? (laughs) Man. Just banging teeth against each other. Gross. Now, her original boarding house on F Street was now under different management due to the fact that she uh, had been in prison (laughs) for three years. But Dorothea was determined to have another one. God damn it. While Dorothea, a freshly released prisoner, had zero income, Everson, on the other hand, had a healthy pension fund he was receiving money from. And almost immediately, the two of them set up a joint bank account for their upcoming wedding, Mm. with Everson making sure his pension money started going directly into that account. Yikes. Couldn't you at least do half? No, I'm sure she wouldn't let him. She's no. like, put the whole kit and caboodle in I, there. I think she honestly, like, just, I don't know, coke, like, it was so smooth and has so much swagger. She just wrapped it around her little finger. I don't really know. Yeah, Something like that. She's got this fraud and shit down to a yeah, science. She's, oh, she's masterful. Now, as for her new boarding house, Dorothy was able to get a smaller house with an attached apartment just a little further down the road from her old one on F Street. It is this piece of property that will eventually become known as Dorothea Puente's Death House. This the is, one that we know of. Yep. This, our listeners have driven past a bunch. This, If you see pictures, it is this house. You'll see the house and there's like a little stairway with that little thing leading upstairs. That's the, her apartment, her gotcha. little domain, I guess. Almost immediately, upon setting up shop in this new location, the old guard involved with her old boarding house started flooding back in. You see, the upper crust of society might have forgotten about Dorothea Puente, but all of her friends in the Hispanic community, the local alcoholics, the homeless, and all the others who had previously stayed with Dorothea had not forgotten what a kind and generous host she had been to all of them. She's an angel to them. I mean, I... I don't think my assumption is because the fraud got through out, they only might have known about the robbery. And even then, maybe they thought she was like falsely accused or something. She's a Mother Teresa to them. Uh, Like, honestly, honestly, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Some of the first residents of her new boarding house were actually Latin women. I don't know why specifically them, but after they moved in, 
her normal type of residence followed suit. In almost no time at all, Dorothea would go from being freshly released from prison to setting up another boarding house. So you're probably wondering, isn't this a direct violation of her parole? Cody, isn't this a direct violation? The one condition (laughs) that was set by the judge? Oh, it most certainly was, but the social work department was still quick to look the other way. Mm. It isn't like alcoholics, drug addicts, or other homeless had mysteriously disappeared over the past three years. Oh, not like when Giuliani so-called cleaned up the bum bum problem in New York? (laughs) No, the state of California, if we're being honest, could use all the help they could get, and even if that meant an ex-convict opening up a boarding house. Yes. She didn't bring harm on them, so they were just kind of like, as long as you're taking care of these hopeless people fine just if they do have it. a roof over their head maybe maybe something might be good yeah for them. i kind of, it's kind of like one of those situations we know what a piece of shit dorothy is but on the same hand it's like i don't know some of these people are hopeless what are yep. you supposed to do I, I don't know you can't win you cannot win you can't win for losing my mm-hmm. friend and the problem is because of how hopeless they are that's uh they're the easiest to take advantage of mm-hmm. oh absolutely and she she certainly does well, it might sound like Dorothea should have probably just kept out of trouble, being that she was literally just released from prison mm-hmm. and added to the fact that she barely squeezed out of those fraud charges she needed. And she wanted those delicious Social Security checks. She's got to climb back up. This time, she devised a system that would make it even harder to track what she was doing. You see, after the ball got rolling, she would pretty much only take on the worst of the worst that society had to offer, the ones that were almost guaranteed to vanish in the middle of the night on a bender or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. The idea was simple. They will, st- they will stay with her for a little while, start forwarding their checks to Dorothea's boarding house, and when the resident in- inevitably disappeared on their own volition, not only did the check continue to come to the house, but Dorothea would just move in another one of these high-risk people. While it certainly didn't work with every resident, as we will find out, it worked on more than enough of them. Now, as for Everson, he was quite impressed by how beloved Dorothea was and was perplexed by how such an upstanding woman ended up in prison. (laughs) Well, by the time that Everson would ever be able to figure out the truth about Dorothea Puente, she killed him. Whoa, that took a big fucking turn. Yeah. Uh, And the murder of Everson will lay the foundation for her M.O. in future murders. This was her... her, Yeah, okay. Like, Ruth, we're pretty sure she killed her. Yeah. But Everson, she killed him. There's no question. There's no fucking question. Uh, Dorothea effectively would lace his cocktail with some sort of prescription drug causing an overdose. And doing this one night, Everson Gilmouth would find... Well, I, I shouldn't say it that way. Everson Gilmouth would uh, never wake up ever again mm. from the overdose. So we don't know the date. We don't know when she did it. She just drugged him and he died in his bed. That is literally all we know about it. What, where was his body? In her, in her house. We'll talk about okay, that in okay, a second okay. here. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so after the murder of Everson, Dorothea was in a pickle because she needed to figure out how to get rid of his body without anyone noticing. Yes. And to make matters worse, after he died in his sleep, 
every one of his orifices emptied, and that left a lot of evidence behind. Yeah, you drain from <laughs> from almost every hole. And I imagine as an old person, it might be even worse. 76, 77? Yeah, oof. To combat this, Dorothea decided to roll Everson's body up into the bedding, creating a cocoon of sorts that she would then sew together. After that, she rolled the human cocoon up in plastic sheeting to avoid any secretions from being able to leak out of it. What movie was this in? Ah, uh, I don't know. They would. She would sew them up in luggage, the dead was bodies. It? Oh, God, that sounds so familiar. I know, right? It's killing me. I can't. And then they get, she kept opening them. Maybe it was a series. Maybe it was a movies. I don't know. But oh, it's Pose. Pose. Mm. Did you watch any Pose? I did not. Ryan Murphy's Pose. I didn't. I maybe a, I saw a glimpse of it here and there, but uh, yeah, I don't know that much about it. Yeah, they rolled up and maybe stuffed they, a dead body in in luggage. This is literally what she does. She she evolves on how she kills him. You know, she'll just start with a plastic mat instead of <laughs> the blankets sure. in the future. But uh, yeah, she makes sure they die in a certain place and then just kind of rolls them up like a nice little burrito there. Brilliant. <laughs> it is brilliant. Yeah. It's fucking morbid and terrible, but it is brilliant. After she had done all of that, now she needed to figure out how to get the body out of the house. Well, it wasn't strange for Dorothea to hire ex-convicts to do a little housework for her. Why not? It was through this system that she would enlist the help of an ex-convict by the name of Ismail Flores. Uh, Dorothea would tell Flores that she wanted to have some wood paneling installed in her upstairs apartment. Mm -hmm. 80s, you gotta have it. Mm -hmm. She was offering Flores a red 1980 Ford <laughs> pickup as payment once he completed the job, okay? She claimed her old boyfriend no longer needed his pickup because he had left her and moved to Hollywood. He's going to make those 75-year-old acting dreams yeah. come true. Yeah. Wow. What a payment for installing wood paneling. He's going to go pull an Alan Rickman <laughs> and get, get a starring role in Die Hard or something. I would watch Everson Gilmouth in any action movie, any diehard movie ever. Certainly. He would be a star. Him and Timothy Oliphant and Live Free or Die Hard, can you imagine how oh, good it would be? be so awesome. Poor but Everson. But we never will get that chance no, because this bitch <laughs> cocooned him in plastic. Now, Flores told Dorothea that was way too generous of a payment for him. Dorothea told him, no problem. You can do a little extra work for me. That's how they get you. How about you construct a six-foot-long storage box so I have something to store my old books in? <laughs> After I load the box up with all those old books, you can then help me transport it to a storage locker that I have across town. Brilliant. While Flores still believed the, the pickup was too generous of an offer for the amount of work she was requesting... He decided, fuck it, I'll take her up on it. Don't look a gift forward in the <laughs> mouth, my friend. Just fucking build the coffin for her books and <laughs> help her take them to the mausoleum storage center. Uh, Flores would go on to finish his work rather quickly, and wouldn't you know it, as fast as Dorothea was to deliver that six-foot box, it was quickly filled up with her <laughs> old book almost as fast as it had arrived. To make sure nothing was going to fall out, Dorothea would nail the top of it shut. Brilliant. 
So Dorothea and Flores then carried the box outside and loaded it into the back of the red Ford pickup truck. His own truck is his hearse. (laughs) His own fucking Ford. I never thought of it that way, but uh, yeah, that is what's happening here. And Dorothea began to give him a set of directions to follow to this supposed storage locker. (laughs) Oddly, as they were driving along the Garden Highway in Sutter County, Dorothea told him to stop the truck. She decided that nothing in the box was worth keeping (laughs) and asked Flores to help her dump it on the side of the road. Now, this probably should have been considered weird, but also Garden Highway was a notorious place where everyone dumped their junk. Sure, you just kick it out the back as you're driving Mm. down the road. So after the two of them threw the box off the side of the road, it basically disappeared into the overgrowth. Flores then drove Dorothea back to the boarding house. Dorothea gave him a few extra bucks for a job well done. Their business transaction was complete without Ishmael Flores having any idea. He literally just helped her dispose of a body. Well, he is an idiot, if that's the case, (laughs) because uh, he built a coffin. She did not have enough time to fill it with old books and immediately brought it back downstairs. (laughs) Uh, Look, I'm going to say this. Maybe he did know because on part three, we're going to, she gets like literally a henchman uh, to help her kill people. So uh, maybe he knew and he's just lying. Was Is it not Ishmael? Is he not the henchman? No, it, it's a different guy. Okay. Um, but Ishmael's the first henchman. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. proto henchman. Yeah. I love it. Maybe he knew. I, I don't it. know. He claims well, he didn't he, know. He got that Ford and he got the fuck out of town. Yeah. That's all we know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as mentioned, Everson Gilmouth had a bunch of children. So surely they might get a little curious if their father was just too up and vanished. Yeah. Well, Dorothea already had a plan in place for that. She would forge letters to his children so they would just assume that their father, Everson, was perfectly safe. Also, in these forged letters, Dorothea would include hints that Everson was starting to feel a little sickly and was now bedridden, but it wasn't anything serious, so the children did not need to come visit him. Okay. This is kind of the, if he's found dead, then this is kind of the reason, right? And we've seen this a bunch of times. Yeah, absolutely. Sometime in the early months of 1986, the box containing the body of Everson Gilmouth would eventually be found by some local fishermen. That's ironic. <laughs> Gilmouth found by fishermen? I like it, though. Mm. Hell yeah. This is the biggest... Mo- <laughs> Never mind. I'm not even gonna- I say, this is the big- biggest Gilmouth bass they ever found. <laughs> I could only imagine... Seeing that six-foot box somewhat resembling a coffin of sorts probably did get their attention. Yeah, no question about it. After the police opened the box, they discovered the California heat and all the moisture from the river had accelerated the decomposition of the corpse, leaving it in a completely unrecognizable state. Gross. So the body of Everson would be listed as a John Doe until much later when Dorothea Puente is actually captured. Oh, she cops to it eventually? Yeah, she'll they'll figure it out. But for a long year, I'm talking about years, Everson's just a John Doe. Nobody sure. knows who he is. She somehow fucked around and was able to commit like the perfect crime. Yeah, honest to God, she ha- she's really lucky when it comes to crime, honestly. Now that Everson was out of the picture, Dorothea would focused completely on operating her boarding house. 
Now, this resonance was quite a bit smaller than the last one, but it didn't matter because she was really pushing to just keep that revolving door of new residents constantly yeah. coming and going. Her one main goal was to get them in the house, get them mailing the check, and then get them the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. But how was she going to accomplish this? Well, as mentioned previously, Dorothea was willing to take in some of the worst of the worst addicts being mostly alcoholics. Dorothea knew it would only be a matter of time before they fell off the wagon on a binge again. And if they didn't do it fast enough, she had a little method to accelerate that process. It's brilliant because hopeless drunks will drink mm. when offered. Right. Absolutely. And she knows how to uh, kind of get that, like nudge them into that, right? Yes. <clears throat> she's very good at being a host. She's good at hospitality. <laughs> she's a very good hostess. <laughs> Dorothea effectively wanted to make sure that they would end up arrested and do a 30-day stint for drunk and disorderly charges or something of that nature. Now, she would accomplish this in either two ways. The first method was to give the resident a wad of their Social Security cash. Now, the sheer amount of cash uh, they received was almost enough to ensure that they were going to end up extremely blitzed. Hell yeah. And with alcoholics of that level, they tend to anger easily, which will usually lead them into a fight or some other sort of altercation, which was almost guaranteed to land them in jail. Mm-hmm. Now, if her first plan didn't work, she would give them the money to go to the local bar and make an anonymous call to the police about whichever person she wished to have gone from her house. Fuck. This was almost a guarantee to have them arrested. With the resident in, you know, with the resident in custody, she was still getting the money and she could just move in another resident. Then maybe the old resident would return after that jail sent, but by the time another person could be in jail or off on a bender, it proved to be a quite effective system because in no time at all, Dorothea was receiving over five thousand dollars a month in other people's money it's so brilliant oh my god it's so brilliant that's correct it's crazy five grand in 1986 that's quite a bit man it's quite a bit of money oh yeah sixty thousand a year yeah yeah absolutely now dorothea was also very smart about this system she had going on because dorothea would make sure that the same residents were not constantly in trouble mostly because This would bring the attention of their social workers. And for someone that wasn't even supposed to be running a boarding house in the first place, she didn't need any of that unwanted attention brought on herself. She had to spread it around. Right. She couldn't make sure the same guy was getting picked (laughs) up three times a month. And obviously this is going to be exceedingly important when her murders start to ramp up here. To unburden any concerns the social workers may have had, Dorothea made sure that they always believed she was just a sweet old lady simply helping out those in need, it wouldn't be weird for you to see Dorothea handing out tamales to the local homeless population outside of her house. I always forget. (laughs) I always forget how Mexican she thinks she is. It's a nice gesture, right? You I would, would take it. You would have you remember Tamale Man at work? Yeah. I used to buy him out. Holy shit, you used to buy a lot of tamales. Now, or she would be offering jobs for the local homeless, you know, just do little things around the house for, mm-hmm. you know, help them out. She was very careful about making sure everyone had a very specific impression of her and would never question her intentions. 
Now, because most of her residents didn't even realize that she might have been actively trying to get them into trouble, most of them came to love her, admire her, and would become almost loyal to a fault. Because of this, it would create a situation where there might be some of her residents that didn't want to seem to leave like mm-hmm. the others. We have to keep in mind that not every single person who lived at the house was necessarily an alcoholic or a drug addict. Some were simply old people or they had some sort of severe mental issue. Sure. That nobody wanted to take care of them. Makes sense. And this is important too. I, you don't really talk about this, but we had the Reagan and Nixon, or was it Rick or Nixon? unleashing all of the mental health patients yeah, he right closed down every asylum yeah. and clinic now nixon or um reagan did that too right yeah so and cubans and cubans okay well you got to remember so she's got an onslaught of people with like bad mental problems you know because of all of that you know especially in california where the population yeah. is high absolutely while these longer term residents might help keep up the sham that she only had the best intentions for them. The longer they resided in the boarding house, the more they would notice that something just didn't seem quite right. And maybe Dorothea Puente wasn't the saint that she appears to be. Yep. Now that Dorothea has blood on her hands, she found killing might be an easier option to quell those who know a little bit too much about what she is doing. And very soon the bodies on her property will literally start piling up. And that's what we're going to pick up on part three. Fantastic. We're going to be going through a lot of dead people. Isn't that interesting, though? Yeah. That, that as soon as they cross that border, a lot of them realize how much easier it is. <laughs> to just kill somebody? Yes. Then, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what's wrong with her, but uh, very she doesn't really seem to care about anybody she actually kills. It's business. Yeah. To her, it literally is business. It's like, business. Fuck it. We just get the. I just want the money. She's a mafioso. Care. She's a fucking Tony Soprano, <laughs> but looks like Sophia from yeah. Golden Girls. I mean, maybe that's the most terrifying. She was. She did always talk about how Sicilian she was. It. it she feel. I feel like Dorothea feels like a prime example of someone escalating their crime. Like you, we through the two episodes, you can literally see that curve. Oh yeah, it's just up. It up, doesn't up, go up, down. Up, 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 up. No, yeah. yeah, and I don't know. There's not much more despicable than stealing from like the downtrodden people. No. Honestly, no, it's kid rape, stealing from yeah. downtrodden people, and stealing from elderly. Yeah, are, like the three th- three most vulnerable things you can. Yeah, get. obviously rapes way up there as oh. well. But well, even kids stealing, I guess kidnapping. Uh, yeah okay never mind there's a lot of bad yeah, shit yeah. i'm just but, saying like those those are it's all the same strata of yeah, crime there yeah they're all in the same bubble uh but we need to say something here at the end uh i think we need to wish you a happy birthday adam oh thank you yes are you, that's right is this 31 31 okay old. that's what i thought you can know because uh my year number lines up so like in next year i'll be It'll be 2022, and I'll be 32, and then next year, 2023, and I'll be It's because you were 90. That's right. My my oldest brother, 1980. He's 1980. Holy shit. 1980, 1983, 1990, and 1990. 
one. Oh, damn. You and Chase are that close. Yeah, like 18 months or something. Yeah, because he's December 91. I'm June 90. So, yeah. Okay. Your, your parents really wanted that baby girl. Uh, Chase was an accident. Chase oh. was not supposed to be. Oh, I thought he was supposed to be a girl. No? Just an accident? That's right. I'm All sorry. Right. I'm stretching everybody. Thank you very much, Cody. That was a fucking fantastic dark middle chapter. Hell yeah. Empire Strikes Back, if you will, yeah. of uh, Dorothea Puente. Yeah, the return of the uh, boarding house Sith Lord is coming next week. Kelly, if you're still listening, you have a whole nother week to uh, get get those, uh, uh, I'm not going to say their names because that would be spoilers, mm. but to get your notes together. She is waiting on a uh, like a $150 book that is a memoir of one of these fuckers that I'll be covering Ooh, okay. on my turn. So, Kelly, if I don't text you, uh, another week. You got a whole nother week to work, <laughs> to slave over a, a hot keyboard for no money. Yeah. So that means she will not get fed this week. Yes. But she, you'll get food from Adam next week. She will get a mm. $4 Tim Hortons <laughs> gift card next week. Yeah. I've heard you don't fuck with the man's Tim Horton um, grilled chicken Caesar wrap at I, Tim Hortons. I don't know. I don't know. They, they take it very serious. Okay. The so, grilled Caesar chicken wrap. I, th- I believe that's what it's called. Yes. All right. Well, yes. great job on Dorothea. I already Thank said that, you. but good job, Cody. If you thought it was a good job, you can let us know by filling out a form submission at bumblebuttpodcast.com. Go to the website, bumblebuttpodcast.com. Click around. We have merch. We have About Us. We have just about anything. Patreon. You know, I'm not even going to talk about iTunes reviews anymore. <laughs> have you seen the stats? I have not. Are we it all Spotify? Is, it's iTunes is 11% of our downloads and was last month, which was another record setting month. Wow. Thank you very much, everybody. Hell yeah. But Spotify revolutions in full effect. So hit the follow button. Uh, I've heard iTunes is being curated for, what was it? Like a very specific group of podcasts, but I cannot remember what it was. Have you heard this? I haven't. I don't want to. I don't know. Like, you know how MySpace turned into music? Justin Timberlake? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's what it's... I don't know. All I right. Don't know. Somebody well, hit us up, guess Steve what? Jobs. Spotify Revolution. Go yeah. there. Or it works almost better anyway. anywhere else. Use Overcast. Mm. I love Overcast. That's one of my favorite apps. Hell yeah. Uh, all right. Great job, everyone. Good job, everyone. Go to patreon.com slash podcast. Sign up at any level. Uh, it would really help us out. And... Uh, Cody, do you have anything to say? I can't remember what else I usually say here. Uh, I don't have anything to say. I think you usually say your your taglines. I'm trying to remember them. Follow us on Instagram at BumblebuttPodcast and on Twitter at BumblebuttPod. That's uh, every episode we seem to have a lively group of conversation, conservationists. Conservationists? Yeah, I don't know. Conversationalist. Okay, there you go. I was going to say, do we need to call the ambulance? Well, I'm getting there. <laughs> Is that burnt hair? I'm not certain. Anyways, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Cody, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Adam. I've been Adam. And thank you, audience. And thank you, and have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday. <laughs>